Good morning, church. I'm sorry. I, I try to cut you guys slack because it's the first service, and I know a lot of you guys are still waking up a little bit, but that was awful. Good morning, church. Thank you. It is wonderful to have you here. It is great to be in the presence of God. Amen. We are so happy to be able to join each other. We are uh, going to take a minute just to go share that feeling of being able to be with each other by having everybody stand up and go and meet and greet. into my life. Let's find our seats this morning. Who here can testify that Jesus came into their life this morning? Amen. Yes. Amen. Uh, it's always a privilege and an honor uh, the first Sunday of every month that we uh, say happy birthday and um, that we acknowledge anniversaries. And um, today I thought our anniversaries would be out the roof because February is the month of love. But today there was no anniversaries, but a whole lot of birthdays. So you know what that means. It's the month of love. Can somebody say amen? 
Amen. I feel like preaching a marriage series right now. Amen. We want to say happy birthday to Serge, Serge Kelly. We want to say happy birthday to Gigi, who is, um, been, is with us online. We want to say happy birthday to Jerry Winders. Catherine, yes, Catherine uh, Eastman, Ken Kelly. We want to say happy birthday to, to Haley, to Bill Rohr, Sarah uh, Rivera, Kathy Clayton, uh, Coleman Bunyard. We want to say happy birthday to Linda McDaniel, Caitlin Matthews. We want to say birthday to Marlene. We want to say happy birthday to none other than Ricky Garcia. Amen. So on three, you know, we, we only just say happy birthday, but we're just going to sing happy birthday to everybody right now. One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, church family. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Be blessed. Amen. Thank you. Happy birthday. Did anybody else try to fit everybody's name into that song? I got three names in and realized I was the only one. Before we get started with the service, we have some announcements. So first and foremost, um, as a reminder, the children's area is a loading and unloading zone only. Uh, you can pick up kids, you can drop off kids. Don't try to park or uh, somebody will have to try to escort you away. <laughs> Uh, just older youth, uh, the Joy Potluck, February 19th in the gym after second service. So if you would like to go to the potluck, bring a dish to share because that's what potlucks do. So uh, February 19th. Also February 19th, we will be having a church vote for new board members as well as delegates to the district assembly. So this vote is open to all members who are 15 years or older in our church. So if you are a member of the church and you're over 15, or I guess 15, over 14, uh, you get to vote uh, new members of the board as well as our delegates. Uh, we have preteen ministry is gonna be starting uh, on Thursday nights. This will be for people ages 10 to 12. Um, and they're gonna be running kind of side by side with our youth group, so it'll be really fun. We're gonna see uh, how this is all going to integrate here, but February 23rd, starting at 6.30, uh, that'll be the games, 7 p.m. we'll start worship, and then the teens and preteens are going to split off into our own lessons. So uh, if you are a preteen, if you know a preteen, if you are aware that they exist, uh, please pass this information on to them, and let's start this group off really awesome. That'll be February 23rd on a Thursday. And finally, last but certainly not least, life groups are starting the week of the 19th. Or, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tough crowd. <laughs> life groups are starting. I'm excited. Four other people are. There we go. Uh, Sign-up sheets are available at the welcome counter. So the sheets have the addresses and the leaders on them, so you can go and see who's closer, where you live. Um, we've got them all over town, um, and we've got them almost every night of the week. And this go-round, we even have one midday. So if evening uh, small groups don't work for you, if they were keeping you because of the time frame, we've got one in the middle of the day. We're trying to accommodate as many people as easily as we can. So please come join these. It is a great way to grow in your walk with Christ, to disciple others, and to just form 
um, a little bit tighter knit group. So uh, please seriously consider those. Go check them out. Find the time, the location that works for you, and sign on up. And that's it for our announcements. So we're going to go into our time of giving of tithes and offerings and of our corporate worship. We want to just take a moment, as we do every week, to thank everybody who has been faithful through the tithes and offerings. We cannot do what we do without income coming in. So uh, it's biblical, it's needed, and it's used as well as we can. So uh, thank you for all of your support. We offer three ways you can do it in person, online, uh, or by mail. You guys know my spiel probably by now. <laughs> so if I could have everybody bow their heads with me, we're going to pray to God here. Father, we are so thankful that we have a church community who is striving to disciple each other, that we have life groups coming up, and that we have money coming in so that we can spend it and honor you with it, and we're thankful that we have breath in our lungs that we're able to go sing before you now. And we ask that you would take all that we give you with our time, with our money, with our hearts and our voices, and that you would multiply these in ways that we never could, that you would use them to grow your kingdom in ways that we don't even understand. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise be to his glorious name forever. sin and uncleanness. Zechariah 13, 1.
Father, what a great reminder that you can cleanse our heart. Thank you, Lord. 
even as the great King David came to you and said, just search our hearts, we pray that you would indeed. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the dawning of another beautiful day. And Lord, how happy we are to be here at Home Church. Bless this family and all of the attendees here today, as well as all of those watching online. Lord, we are thankful that you have called so many to serve you. And this morning, as we welcome Mark Butler, we pray that you would indeed use him to deliver the message that we need to hear because all of us need to have a reminder even as you reminded us through these songs this morning. So we pray for Mark, pray that you would let him have that peace of God knowing that you are in him and delivering what you gave to him to us. Give us an ear to hear, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I'm glad you could make it. Um, the weather's a little iffy out there, so uh, hopefully I'll get you out of here by 2 o'clock so you can get home. Uh, no. <laughs> Anybody who knows me knows uh, I probably can't preach that long because this is only my second try up here. Um, if you were surprised to see me back in May, you're probably surprised to see me again. Um, so am I. Okay. Um, no? <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, when the pastor asked me if I had another sermon ready, and he called me Tuesday, by the way, um, I couldn't really refuse because God had already kind of laid this message on my heart. Um, and after we get into the sermon, you'll understand how hard it would have been for me to tell him no. Um, so I've titled the sermon today, The Three A's. You know, when you're my age, you know, the knots in the devil's tail, I had three points, right? Well, I've got three points today because that's all I can remember at my age. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, uh, it all started actually several weeks ago. I, I was here at the church doing something. I, I honestly don't even remember what I was here for. But I had walked outside and Jeannie came walking by. And she just looked at me and said, you're awesome. Um, just giving me a compliment. Thank you, Jeannie. Um, but, but I reflected on that. And you know, no, I'm not really awesome. You know, my wife knows me better than anyone else. And I don't think she's ever used that word to describe me. <laughs> Um, although if you ask her about last night, she might say my snoring was amazing, um, but, uh, but I'm not really awesome. 
so I, I went to the Bible and I looked at stories, okay? The Bible's full of stories about common, ordinary people. And so I want to take a look at several of those. And, uh, and, and I'm sure most of you have heard all these before. Uh, but we're going to tie them together here in a few minutes, okay? So the first story is in Mark 12, uh, verses 41 through 44. And if we can have that second slide, there we go. Now, all of these I tried to pull out of the NIV so that it's easier to keep track. But uh, whichever version you like, uh, read along with us. So uh, verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So this poor lady comes, nobody to support her, literally just a few cents to her name. But she's there, and she puts in all that she has. The next story is from John chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fishes. But how far will they go among so many? So some mother had packed a lunch for this young boy. Now, I don't know how Andrew knew that he had this meal unless the child had volunteered that information, and, and how many of us, surrounded by 5,000 hungry men, plus all the women and children, would volunteer and say, hey, I got some food. You're liable to get mobbed. Uh, but he did. Uh, and, and this is probably the only thing he had of value, the only thing he had to offer, uh, was just this small meal. In uh, 1 Kings 17, we have the story of another widow starting with verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the regions of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have, and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. 
So we have another poor woman. The country's in drought. There's no food. This lady's getting ready to prepare the last meal she has. And she has prepared herself that after that, her and her son are going to die because there's nothing left. In 2 Kings chapter 4, we find the story of another woman. Starting with verse 8, One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and laid down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her, Elisha, Elisha asked. Gehazi said, she has no son and her husband is old. So even though this woman was described as well-to-do, she has a husband who is old who could potentially die at any moment and no son to carry on and to help provide for her and care for her. We find another woman in Joshua chapter 2, uh, beginning with verse 1. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Well, Rahab certainly doesn't have a good reputation. Um, what better place for two strangers to go and stay than a house where nobody bats an eye if a strange man enters it? Um, but she hides them there at great risk to herself and gives them vital information. Okay. So speaking of reputations... 
Let's look at one more story that could ruin a reputation. This one's in Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 26. And again, one I'm sure you're very familiar with. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Can you imagine being a young woman, probably no more than 15 or 16 years old, Nobody special, just an ordinary girl. And this angel shows up and tells her she's going to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit, even though she's engaged to be married. What's her future husband going to think when she, he finds out she's already pregnant? What is the village going to think when they find out that she got pregnant before she got married? That, at that day and age, that was a pretty scary deal. All right, so what do all these ordinary nothing special, nobody famous, common people have in common. Certainly, I think you could agree that none of these people you could describe as awesome or amazing, and that's the first two A's. Awesome and amazing. Uh, that's the next slide there, there we go. All right, so neither of those are really required. The one thing all these people had in common they were available. That's the third A. That's the one that we have to have. You just got to show up. You don't have to be something special. Too many people believe that they have to be something special. They have to be awesome or amazing in order for God to use them. But that's just simply not true. You only have to be available. You got to allow God to use you the way he sees fit. So let's look at a couple of other stories that illustrate that. We're going to go to Judges chapter 7. And starting with verse 1, early in the morning, Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me my own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear, 
may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, There are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. If I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, Separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. Three hundred of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, With the three hundred men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Purah and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Purah, his servant, went down to the outposts of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sea on the seashore. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. He said, I had a dream. He was saying, a round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Now, I want to pause there for just a moment and reflect on just how crazy it is to take an army of 32,000 men, whittle it down to only 300, arm them with trumpets and a torch hidden inside a jar, and then send them into battle against an army of tens of thousands of soldiers? That's just crazy. But let's read the rest of the story and see what happens. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout, For the Lord and for Gideon! Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew their trumpets and smashed their jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon! While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. 
the army fled to Beth Shittah toward Zerarah, as far as the border of Abel Meholah, near Tabith. Israelites from Naphtali, Asher, and all Manasseh were called out, and they pursued the Midianites. Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and seize the waters of the Jordan ahead of them, as far as Bethbara. So all the men of Ephraim were called out, and they seized the waters of the Jordan as far as Bethbara. They also captured two of the Midianite leaders, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb. They pursued the Midianites and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan. So you see, we don't have to provide the awesome and amazing God brings the awesome and amazing. If it comes from us, God doesn't get the credit. How else could 300 men armed with trumpets and torches completely rout an army of tens of thousands? God brought the awesome and amazing. They just had to show up. If we back up and look at the end of some of these other stories that we've already looked at, we all know how Jesus took the five loaves and the two fishes and fed 5,000 men plus women and children and had 12 baskets of food left over. It's amazing. The widow who used her last flour and oil to make a small cake for Elijah had flour and oil until the rains came and the food was available again. Even though the jar should have been empty, God kept filling it up with his awesome power. The well-to-do woman who had no son with an old husband became pregnant. She conceived and bore a son. A number of years later, that son died. But Elisha raised him back up through the power of God. Rahab and her family were all saved. When the rest of the city was destroyed, her and her family were saved. And Mary, this young girl, nobody, became the mother of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. One other thing that they all have in common, they recognize who God was. Even Rahab, a prostitute in a city of the enemy, named God and who he was. All right, so there are a few more stories I want to look at quickly. We all know the story of David and Goliath. How ironic is it that a young shepherd boy faces up against perhaps one of the mightiest warriors to ever walk the face of the earth? But David was available. He was willing to serve God with unwavering faith in a situation that made every other warrior of Israel run away. And he did it with only what God had provided him, a sling and a few stones. No armor, no sword. But God's provision was more than enough. Even though he took five stones, it only took one. God's amazing, awesome power in evidence. When Moses was wandering around the desert, God called him from a burning bush. If you remember the story, do you remember how many excuses Moses had? Who am I? that I should go. What am I supposed to say when they ask me your name? 
Well, what if they don't believe me? I'm slow of speech and tongue. Can't you send someone else? But he finally did as God commanded and led the Israelites out of bondage from Egypt. Elijah faced off against the prophets of Baal and Asherah on Mount Carmel. Now you could argue that Elijah was pretty awesome or amazing in his own right, but it was only through God's power that he performed all those miracles. So let's look at this story in Scripture. 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to start with verse 22. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he's a god. Perhaps he's in deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until the blood flowed. Midday passed. And they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took twelve stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones... He built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it, large enough to hold two seahs of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it the third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice 
the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. So we got one man, one man of God, facing 400 prophets of Baal, and there were also 400 prophets of Asherah. The deck was pretty well stacked against Elijah. He made it even harder by soaking everything in water, the altar, the wood, the sacrifice, everything. But with just a simple, short prayer from Elijah, God brought down the fire from heaven that not only burned up the wood and the sacrifices, but it licked up all the water from the trench and even consumed the very stones and dirt of the altar. Can I hear an amen? amen. We serve an awesome and amazing God. You don't need a special gift to serve Him. You only need to make yourself available. Just show up. Here am I. Send me. God uses our weaknesses to accomplish His will so that it's obvious it didn't come from us but only by the power of God dwelling within us. So you have all these unknown people playing small roles in just a small part of God's plan, but it leads to amazing and awesome results. All right, so I'd like everyone to bow their heads, close their eyes. If Kristen will come and start playing. So I want you to ask yourself, have I made myself available today? Have I been willing to let God use me, my time, my talents, my resources, my finances, even my weaknesses? Or have I allowed the enemy to convince me that I don't have anything to offer? I'm not amazing enough or awesome enough. I don't have any talent or skill for God to use. If that's you, and God is speaking to you right now about making yourself available, would you just slip out of your seat and come down to the altar quietly? Put your trust in Him the way David did when he faced Goliath or the way Elijah did when he faced the prophets of Baal. God is just as mighty and powerful now as He was then, and He can use each and every one of us to accomplish the awesome and amazing. You just have to surrender your heart and your will to Him. Let Him know, you know what, God? I want to be available for you. If that's you, come on down and pray. So maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, you know, I can do this on my own. I don't need God. I can handle it. But that's not true. None of us through our own power can make our way to heaven. We need God. Maybe you're sitting there and you've never surrendered your heart or life to God. You've never given your heart over to Jesus Christ as your Savior. God's knocking at your door today, wanting into your heart. If that's you, come forward and pray. 
Give your heart to God today. I'll leave you with one last scripture. In John 14, it says, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. When we obey the awesome and amazing God who created the entire universe will come in all his love and make his home with us. It just doesn't get any better than that. We're never guaranteed tomorrow. So today's the day to take action. Today's the day to allow God to use us. Through all our weaknesses and all our shortcomings, let Him use us to His glory and the accomplishment of His plan. May His will be done on heaven or on earth as it is in heaven. So if He's been speaking to you, I call you to action. Whether you come down and pray or not, or you sit right there in your seat and just surrender to God, let Him know that you're available for Him to use. Because that's what He desires more than anything else, our obedience to Him. So when He calls, are you going to ignore that call? Are you going to hide from it like Jonah did? answer it. You're going to allow him to do something special through you. You don't have to bring anything to the table. Just show up. Just be there. That's all it takes. So while people are here at the altar praying, I'm going to say a closing prayer. And after that, um, you're dismissed. If people are still up front here, just quietly uh, make your way out. But consider these words. Lord, Heavenly Father, we praise you in your awesomeness, in your glory, in your amazing love for us. Father, we lift your name up on high. Lord, we ask you to dwell with us as your people. Father, help us surrender our hearts and lives, our will, and allow you to use us as you see fit. Father, just help us to be available and not to listen to the lies from the enemy that says, oh, you got to have something special to serve. We don't. You bring the special part. You've got that secret sauce. So, Father, we just ask you to touch each and every heart here. Bless us as we go about our day. Bless us, Father, as we seek your will in our heart and life. And help us, Father, to surrender to you all that you ask. We pray these things in the mighty, glorious name of Jesus. Amen.